0: Okay, hello. This is Aiden Heaney doing his uh, podcast on Manzanar, attempt number three. I just listened to the last one I did. It's a jarble mess. The audio got corrupted. So, this is attempt number three on Farewell to Manzanar. So, this book revolves around Jeannie Wakatsuki. Um, I'm gonna call her Jean that's what she refers to herself as and her family's experiences in the Japanese internment camp of Manzanar. So Manzanar is kind of criticized sometimes as a concentration camp it was terrible more modestly it's referred to as an internment camp and essentially around the time of World War II when war against Pearl Harbor happened, um, all these Japanese people got wounded and rounded up, and they got thrown and shuffled around until they mostly ended up in the internment camp of Manzanar. Um, it, it's it's a massive blemish on American history. America is kind of regarded as the shining light of democracy and freedom. And this, in this period of time, it was most definitely not... These people were were just rounded up and <laughs> thrown in there. and it's it's kind of there's there's elements of racism in it because German Americans and Italian Americans were not put in internment camps. It was just Japanese Americans. And so her dad, um it starts out, Jean's dad, they start out in California. Um, her dad was a commercial fisher. They were living kind of a good life she had a lot of siblings and they were um, living in california in a nice big home they had two boats a nice car and her dad was making a honest living off of fishing and her mom would work packaging up that fish and selling it in canneries Um, and at the time that paid very well so uh her dad was an issei which means that he was the first generation of Japanese and Americans. These were people from Japan who came to America. He he was of a very wealthy family from, uh, shoot, uh, Hiroshima. I'm sorry. The time I'm stuttering, take it out. It's going to be like another five minutes on the podcast. of so just me stuttering, but um. So yeah, they came from a very wealthy family in Hiroshima, and now they're out. And he's in um, America. He left his family, He wanted to live the American lifestyle and American dream, and came to America and is working as a fishery with his kids. Um, his kids are Nisei, which means they were born in America. They're kind of the second generation of Japanese in America. And everything was going really well for them. But when Pearl Harbor came, the Japanese, most of them, got wounded up and thrown into mansonar and her family was not an exception to this um when they got to mansonar they had to drop everything they had and they had to go there they had to leave almost everything they had they later learned that their boats and their house got repossessed along with almost everything in it and they had only the most valuable possessions in that car and they had to drive to mansonar Um, They got shuffled around from place to place for a while before they went to Manzanar. I should probably mention that um, by the U.S. Friends um, organization. And they kind of helped them out and gave them things, except it was never really sustainable. And with it, just places got worse and worse and stricter and stricter until they ended up in Manzanar. And um, her dad got taken away. They claimed that she, I mean, he... Uh, had helped the Japanese and had sailed out, um, oil to Japanese. Um, the picture they showed well, <laughs> and claimed of evidence of him doing this was him with two barrels of chum, because he was a fisher, and a boat full of mackerel, and, um, <laughs> yeah, so they claimed that those barrels were of oil. There was no Japanese ship in the picture, and he denied it, and, he got taken away. So now her oldest brother, Woody, was kind of the head of the family. And when they got to Mansonar, it was absolutely terrible. Absolutely terrible. There were holes and gaps in the floor. When they woke up, there was dust all over them on their first day. And there were holes in the wall. It was just, it was a terrible, terrible place. Um, it was in the middle of the Nevada desert. It was, for a while, it was actually the biggest... Um, city between Reno and uh, Las Vegas and Nevada. Um, but in 1942, it became that. But um, yeah, it was just, it was not a great place at all. And once they got there, it kind of, there were bathrooms that had no stalls or walls and um, just were back to back. They were being given in like just industrial-grade food. They had military surplus blankets that were just extremely thin, and uh, they had to make their own mattresses. Um, And yeah, it was just not a good place. And the book kind of has a very common theme of improvement and trying to make things better and the, the human spirit to make things better. And that's exactly what they do um and yeah so their first couple of years is just them trying to make things better and the struggles of being there um eventually her dad comes back uh, but when her dad comes back he is not the same he is a drunken alcoholic and he looks like he's aged 10 years he used to be an authoritative fancy man but now he's an abusive tired man and woody the oldest sibling who I think at the time they said was like 20 and had a wife, um, had to step up as head of a family and kind of lead everything. Um, These were very big families. A lot of these siblings had um, spouses. And uh, later in the book, they have kids too. But um, yeah, Gene is the youngest of the family. And uh, yeah, this just a big traditional, big family trying to stick together like they did in California. And, um, he comes back, he's abusive and he's just, it's not the same, right? So he's a drunken alcoholic off of rice wine and it's just, it's not good at all. So, um, yeah, (laughs) he's humiliated and it's just, it's not good. After that, Um, we kind of see pro-Japanese riots break out. Oh, yeah, also at the time, I should mention that Jean, this is kind of like a little side note. It didn't really make sense. It kind of goes off on her adventures with Catholicism. There were nuns um, who came to her and um, basically tried to convert her. Her father did not allow that. Um, And, yeah, that didn't go well in the book. And she also became a baton dancer. Ah, uh, they went through all kinds of dancing. and it kind of showed the struggle between American lifestyle and the traditional Japanese um, lifestyle. And it's it was really it's kind of interesting to see just on how um does affecting them uh, because, yeah, <laughs> because, I mean, they were they were locked in a cage, so to them the American lifestyle was disgusting. But they still wanted to leave it. They were still kids with aspirations, and and goals of wanting to achieve. Um, and yeah, so pro Japanese riots were breaking out, and uh, it was it was not a good time there. Um, yeah. They, they shouldn't have been, and honestly, reading through this book, I kind of am on the side of the Japanese during these riots. It should not have happened the way it did, though. They were very violent, and they uh, threatened to kill a guard um, to, to get a young man um, back from an even more intense jail and to bring him back to Manzanar um so yeah that kind of increased the tension and also talks about her like after right after it goes through like a segment of like life wasn't so bad it goes into directly into the japanese riots and her looking out the window to having spotlights shown on their barrack and her really coming into her constant like idea for the first time and her brain of like oh my gosh this is a prison because she's very young at the time i think she's nine I think she was in um, Manzanar from the age of nine to twelve. And yeah, it, it was just absolutely brutal. Um, after that, the book kind of goes through like just like little tidbits of life in manzanar and how things were trying to be improved upon. Um, and how things were getting better. It kind of shows by the beginning while there were like holes in the floor. It was just a, an absolute terrible place. It was re- reminiscent of a concentration camp. To the end, there were rock gardens and little gardens and there was a school that was trying to be formed. I mean, it was just a rundown barrack, but it was still a school nonetheless. And um, yeah, it, it was just ultimately life was pres- preserve- mm, persevering and doing well. <clears throat> I'm sorry, it's saying my throat. <clears> throat> okay, <laughs> I'm sorry that's that brutal. I actually didn't mean to do that in the mic. Um, dang it, this happened. There's no way to pause this podcast. I'm so sorry. Um, but yeah, so they just kept living life, and things got better. Um, after that, they actually left Manzanar after World War II, and it kind of shows her trying to integrate, Jean trying to integrate in the society um that frowned upon them. Right? There was propaganda that they saw posters of like kill all Japs, they're evil, right? And after the atomic bombs, it, it it was really, really hard for them. I mean, in in Manzanar, they were given letters of like, look, are you loyal to the United States? And a lot of the younger people took it as an opportunity. Um Jean's oldest brother Woody actually took up the offer to be like, hey yes, we are we're loyal um to try to prove their loyalty and later in the book they get they get drafted which is just absolutely insane to think that they were drafting the people they had in prison so it's like you're not good enough to be treated as an american citizen but you're sure good enough to to fight in world war ii against on the european front that's that's insane so yeah they were just being faced with tons of racism um this time she blues their family moves to California. Their family's kind of split up. A lot of them are in New Jersey. But right now, she is in California. And when they're in California, it's, it's, it's really hard. She said the first thing she did when she walked into school, um, the teacher asked her to like read off a passage and talk about her. And the girl, this girl was giving her just like a blank stare. Everyone in the classroom was. And when she sat down. The girl in front of her turned around and said, you speak English? And that that, that kind of, yeah, I mean, just imagine being there. And she said at the time that she couldn't even comprehend not being able to speak English or why this girl thought that she couldn't. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's hard. So she becomes a baton twirler majorette and um in a boy scout parade right she had to be the majorette for their parades and her dad lost it at this point in time it kind of goes back to that theme of japanese traditionalism and how the americans locked them up versus also wanting to live that kind of rock and roll american lifestyle that was occurring right after world war ii right in the 50s and the 60s and 70s and so she's using she's going through that right and um, later in the book she runs for for queen of her school and her dad just loses it um, because she dresses up in like a non-kimono dress and like something that her father views as kind of like skimpy and inappropriate and non-traditional Um, and she wins it, and her dad just kind of flips out and makes her sign up for Japanese classes. And, like, traditional Japanese classes that she instantly got kicked out of. Which I think is interesting, because she smiled too much. Um, yeah. Um, once again, just shows little kind of tidbits of her life and reflections on Manzanar. And how Manzanar impacted her and kind of broke her emotionally. It talks about her dad and her dad's childhood and how her dad had grown up in a wealthy family and um, and like that was kind of going through some financial downfall, so he moved to America to kind of try to reprove his honor and the honor of his family. And uh, just how broken her father became. It talked about how her father almost drunk himself to death and how he had seen that he had lost control of his family and just how much he deeply regretted it. At this point, he ended up becoming a strawberry sharecropper um, on their final move. I can't remember the name of the town they moved into, but it was more northern California. It was a strawberry field that he worked as a sharecropper on. And um, just how he was absolutely broken and how how he talked about the American lifestyle and quotes from him about how America always seemed to lift him up and throw him back down and um but always give you hope to keep going up again um yeah so he i mean she later in the book it kind of cuts to her and her family now she's older she has a husband and her kids are going to manzanar back in the desert on a vacation and she gets there and and there's nothing there except a small memorial of the japanese people who died in manzanar And and that's kind of, that point in the book, it kind of lets you come to your own conclusions. She talks about her thoughts of it and how oddly beautiful, how it was almost wiped off the map. And I think that's just really, really interesting and something that had that much of an impact on so many people. It was just gone, erased, to just a small stone was all that was left in the middle of a desert along ruins of buildings that once meant something, so much of something and um yeah it's it's a really really good book ultimately it shines a lot of light on something i had not known about and not only that when i first read it i thought it was going to be very historical just on manzanar but it it really it kind of expanded and branched out of that gene obviously i want to say character development but that's kind of terrible to say because it's her life on just like development of a life of a human developing as and trying to live the American lifestyle, but constantly being reminded of Manzanar and how that impacted them. And how it pushed down and how it had an individual effect on each of her siblings. And just how, after all that, how it broke them, how it tore apart families and people died in there, how it could simply be forgotten. And that kind of brought it up and put it in a nice little bow for the end of the book, and I I really enjoyed the book. Um, Anyways, that was Farewell to Manzanar, um, Aiden Hunie Podcast, book report number three. Uh, Thank you for listening in, and that's all.